Today's episode of the BS Podcast is brought to you by SeatGeek. That's our presenting sponsor and the only fan-friendly app for buying and selling tickets for sports and music. In November, you have college hoops, college football, NHL, NBA, NFL. You need SeatGeek. Drop your old ticket app for, and use one that's built for 2016 and beyond. Do everything on your phone. Download the free SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. We're also brought to you by Channel 33, which is part of the Ringer Podcast Network and features such podcasts as Jam Session and Achievement Oriented, our new gamer podcast. But important for wrestling fans this week, Kevin Owens is on the Mass Man podcast, interviewed by our own David Shoemaker. I love Kevin Owens. He's one of my favorite wrestlers. Check that out on the Mass Man podcast, only on Channel 33. And check out TheRinger.com because we had a lot of good NBA and NFL stuff this week, as well as election residue and a whole bunch of other things. All right, we are ready. Chris Collinsworth and Michael Peters coming up. Let's do it. All right, welcome to BS Podcast. We have Michael Peters coming up a little bit later right now from NBC Pro Football Focus. Chris Collinsworth. We feuded this week, but now, but now we've already solved it. Now we're going to do a podcast. How are you? Good man, I'm good. How you doing? I'm good. Yeah, you know, I, I'm I'm really bad at apologies. I, I'm I'm just really bad at them. I my wife has told me I'm really bad at apologies, so I'll start with that. Um, <laughs> but when you get to be 57 years old, yeah. you start feeling like you're in training to apologize all the time for everything. Yeah. So. You know, you and I have had a few pokes here and there, right? You take a few shots. I'll take well, you know, we have a little fun. Nobody ever gets too mad and Yeah. This one this one went nuclear like overnight. Oh my god, my phone didn't stop ringing. I had the New York Times, I had the New York TMZ, Times. I had the I had the, the National Enquirer. I, had, I was like, "What the heck just happened? I was just poking some fun at my guy." So, anyway, so I humbly apologize. I look forward to the podcast, and I will never, ever, ever, ever duel with you again. It is too dangerous. We didn't duel. It was a one-sided duel. I actually thought it was a really good dig. I, I didn't know if you were mad at me for something else, because the impetus to the dig was me tweeting that you kept crediting the Seahawks offensive line for such good protection, and my point was the Pats front seven has been terrible the whole season. And I didn't think you you were reflecting that. So that's what I did right. in my tweet. Now, should I be tweeting about what you should be saying? I don't know. And should you, you know, come I mean, back there's, to me? There's yeah, always probably. a little, you know, I mean, you've gotten us before. You know, guys have laid out stuff in front of me before. Yeah. And I go, you know what? I don't care. I go, I'm a critic. That's yeah. my job. My job is to critique people. So Bill gets paid money to critique what I do. I don't care. I, I really don't like on Twitter. Oh my God! Now I can't imagine what yours is like because you know nobody follows me. Cause I'm a I'm an old boring guy. But you know, so I'll read them sometimes, and I go, they want me to do things to myself that really aren't humanly possible. Right. You know? <laughs> I'm like, I I don't really think that's possible. And I every once in a while I'll let people read my Twitter account because after a game, you know, I, I am a one big piñata. Everybody, you know, I'm sure the Seattle fans all thought I was completely biased in favor of New England. Right. 
the New England fans always think I'm completely biased in front of or Seattle. And I just go, you know what? I still like my job. I right. still want to do this. You know, I, I still like this. That's just part of the price of admission for what I do. And it's all good. And, you know, so anyway, here's, I, here's I'm the not only tweeting thing, anything. Yeah, but here's the only thing I don't get. You and Michaels are my favorite broadcast team, which I've said over and over again. I was, And Michaels is like the uncle, the 73-year-old uncle I never had, even though I have my Uncle Ricky. But uh, I, I always felt like when I complain about something during the broadcast, I had already established a pre-existing love for the broadcast. The only time you made me mad, like genuinely mad, was during the, uh, during the Super Bowl with the Brady stuff during the fourth quarter when you said when you talked about how you asked him if, you know, if it was true that a flake ate, and you brought it up at the worst possible time of the game, that was the only time I ever got mad, but that's because I'm an irrational Patriots fan, which you get, Yeah, right? well, there's a lot of those, so yeah. it's, it's, <laughs> it's no big deal. But here, here's the flip side of that. Yeah. That if, if at no point during the Super Bowl broadcast we bring up the elephant in the room, yeah. Right. So then I go over to ESPN and I've got some business I've got to do with ESPN and they're all great people over there. And a couple of them came up and said, you know what you did in the Super Bowl? And I was like, oh, boy, here we go again. He said, you you brought up Seth Markman, I think it is, who's their producer. He said, I used it in our meetings. I used it because you took out the elephant in the room. If you didn't bring it up at any point during that Super Bowl broadcast, I would have considered that a failed broadcast because you have to, everybody in America was thinking the same thing. What's yeah. going on? This guy's playing with this thing hanging over his head. So we made the decision at some point in the broadcast, we were going to bring it up. I was going to say what I thought and we we're going to get on with the game. So, you know, I mean, that's, that's a decision that's made way above and, and with me and, and that's how we decided to do it. So, you know, that's, I, I get it. I get it. You know, there have been other things, you know, we, we all have our moments, you know, I mean, the president of the United States doesn't always do three hours or in my case now, six hours of live television every right. week. So there's always going to be something, brother. Always going to be something. I totally, I, I totally agree that you should have brought it up. I think for me, it was just the timing and the fact that I was so stressed out about the game. Cause I think we were down 10 at that point. It's like, Oh God, now the gate's coming to this. But I, I do think like, <laughs> It's amazing to me how much heat announcers take. And I felt a little bit when I did NBA Countdown for two years for ESPN, where it's just like when people watch sports on TV, it's they have propri- proprietary rights over everything that's happening on that TV. And they think yeah. everybody is rooting against them. I did. I remember I did a Miami-Indiana series. I can't remember if it was 2013 or 2014. And both fan bases were convinced I hated their team. Every like, game for me. Yeah. Every game. I was like, how I'm can I hate both teams? Every game. Yeah, what, what do you think? I'm, I'm rooting for like a meteor to hit the arena and wipe out both teams? <laughs> like it's not possible. All right, so before the Super Bowl, I'm coming walking out and I'm having dinner with my family. So I'm walking out of this restaurant and I'm the last one. I escort my family out of this restaurant. The next day is the Super Bowl. So I'm already a little antsy, right? So I'm already on pins and needles a little bit. So there's a table there. It's the, the Giants and the Patriots. And the table right before I get out the door, which I've almost made it out. A couple of people, you know, made a couple of nice comments, whatever. And then right before I get out the door, um, you know, this guy turns around and, and he's got a Giants hat on. 
And, you know, it's always the same thing. I, you know, I always get the same questions. People always say, why do you hate the fill-in-the-blank of their favorite team and, you know, whatever it is. So I, so in this case, you know, and I always give the same answer. You know, I don't hate your team. I, I, I love this team. I really, you know, I think it's going to be fantastic. Uh, you know, and it's just uh, my job is to critique them, and so I'm going to critique them, and that's that's my job. So I'm walking out, and this guy goes, hey, Collinsworth, which for me is a direct signal of what's about to come. Right. And he says, hey, Collinsworth, why do you hate the Giants so much? And I started to launch into my favorite answer one more time. And then I said, I walked out and I said, you know, I don't know. I just hate them. And I walked right out the door. And I was the greatest moment of my entire life that I had finally just turned around on a guy. And then I said, you have got to be the biggest idiot on God's green earth. This is going to go immediately to Twitter, yeah. immediately around the globe, that I hate the Giants. They're going to take me off the broadcast. <laughs> right. Oh, man. But it did feel good. i got to say it did feel good. Well, you know, 10 years ago, I probably would have fired back on Twitter. But I'm 47 now. I've got, I've got kids that are, you know, can actually Google stuff. So I, I was like... I like Collinsworth. I love Michaels and Collinsworth together. Let's just have a podcast and talk it out. So that's it. Yeah. No, be, but, but let's be real. Who called who? I did you call you. You called me. I know. I did. did. I did. I said, I go, okay, you know, I've got too much history with this guy. I'm calling my boy. I'm going, okay, I went too far. Let's. You got it a great thing, though. Put this genie back in a bottle here. And, and uh, then what, you said Kimmel suggested I come on the thing or whatever. He texted me immediately. He's like, just have him on the podcast. It'll be great. I'm like, you're right. We're coming back to Chris in one second. Quickly, stop wasting money on expensive takeout. You should sign up with Blue Apron. For less than $10 per meal, Blue Apron will deliver you all the fresh ingredients you need for a delicious home-cooked meal. They have the highest standards for ingredients, and they're, they've built a community of home chefs that has no rival. Some of the meals available in November include pan-seared chicken with roasted fall vegetables and butter caper sauce, spicy lotus root and purple carrot stir-fry with sweet potato noodles, lemongrass roasted port with Romanesco cauliflower and coconut rice. I'm getting hungry just talking about it. Right now you can get your first three Blue Apron meals for free. With free shipping, go to blueapron.com slash BS. Blueapron.com slash BS. Blue Apron. A better way to cook. And now back to Chris Collinsworth. Uh, you're doing a game this week on Thursday, and then you're doing another yeah. game on Sunday, which I'm convinced is uh, the NFL's quest to just kill Al Michaels. I, I don't know how he's going to do this. How is he going to do this? How is he going to? He's 73. How is he going to do Thursday and Sunday and remember 200 names? He's he's a, a maximum of 57. I know he's not older than 57, but. <laughs> He is. I, I don't think he's doing Sunday. I don't think he is. So oh. he's going to have a few weeks off, or a few games off, not weeks off, a few games off, and Mike Tirico is going to come in and, and do a few of these games. So I don't know Ooh. exactly which games it is that he's okay. not going to do, but they're going to they're gonna take care of my boy because we want him to be broadcasting yeah. at age 957. I, I was saying to somebody the other day, he's going to be our next Vince Scully. There is no science, no no science of know, decay. I, I'll say this about him, what nobody knows. This guy gets up at 5 a.m. every day and day trades. 
He day trades every day. I mean, he could go on and do any show that you want, any financial show. He can rip through stocks and what's going on on the financial markets, and he could he could easily do a politics. He's all over. He's pretty opinionated about it, but he's all <laughs> over it. And he has great fun doing it, but he doesn't forget anything. Yeah, I mean, his memory he can remember like pitch by pitch. You go, you ask him about the seventy five World Series game for the seventh inning, and he'll go pitch by pitch. It's it's unbelievable. It, so all I do in our production meetings is I just spit out everything I know because I know I'm going to forget it, and he's going to remember it. He'll bring it up, and then I'll remember it, and I'll tell it on the air. That's usually how it works. So I guess I'll rephrase my question. How are you going to do two games in, on Thursday and Sunday? That's all Because I, I know... You know, I, I'm not going to name names, but you can always tell the color guys that have kind of moved into that phase of their career where they wing it a little bit, and you you actually do a ton of homework for each game. So how do you do two in a week? Um, it's not easy. Uh, I'll say that. When uh, uh, Usually on Monday and Tuesday, I try to watch all the film for all four, guys, all four teams. I never make it. I try to talk to all the offensive and defensive coordinators for all those teams. I never make it, and inevitably, you can't remember which team you're talking about when you're talking to one of the coaches. I mean, you got them, you got them so confused and twisted and screwed up in your head that you just kind of just kind of make up a conversation on the fly. Where usually I wouldn't talk to them until Friday, and I've seen two or three of their games on film. I've studied it. I've got all it completely broken down. So it's it's much more difficult. It is much more difficult. But you know, there's it's not the worst job in the world. You I was know, say, I, I mean, yeah. I show up at stadiums and for great games. I, I can never, I'll never forget the time that we were doing the Cowboys and Jerry Jones. I'm looking across, literally right across the field. This guy's just paid a billion and a half dollars or whatever for this stadium, and I'm looking directly across the field at him and his box. And I'm sitting in exactly the same spot on the other side of the field. He has paid about a billion five to, we'll count whatever the team costs, two right. billion, three billion, whatever it may be, for the right to sit in that stadium and in that box. And they're going to pay me to sit in this one opposite? That's not a bad deal. So I got to watch a little football during the week and read a few newspaper articles, but I enjoy what I do. Well, the best thing for you this week is. Panthers Saints will be really fun. That's basically a loser leaves town match. Whoever loses that game is out of the playoffs. Um, yeah. And then Sunday, Washington against Green Bay, and you just get to talk about Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy for three hours. You don't even have to memorize the players. Uh, <laughs> I, it's just a three hour Aaron Rodgers. Is he still good? Does he get along with the coach? Like you don't even need a plan B. You know, somehow I think we'll end up on a plan B, but Aaron <laughs> Rodgers is a pretty unique guy. Yeah. I mean, there aren't many guys that that are not only the best athlete maybe playing the game with his arm and mobility and all that, but he won Celebrity Jeopardy. I mean, this guy is off the charts kind of smart, right? Yeah. And it, it's even happening to him. I mean, you look at what's going on with this team now, and they – you know, they give up, what, 47 points in that game. And, you know, they're trying to figure out. But nobody ever says the Green Bay Packers are having problems. It's always, oh, boy, Aaron Rodgers, 
having some real problems here, and they're not hitting the deep ball, and they're not doing some of the things that they've done in the past. And he has two offensive linemen that were hurt at the end of that game, Bakhtiari and T.J. Lang. And You know, it's just going to be – I mean, they're four and five. They've lost three games in a row. And this is the, this is everything's about the quarterback, right? If everything's about the quarterback, then Green Bay should be winning. So it's got to be something more than everything's about the quarterback. Right. Um, so it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see what comes out of this one. I had Mike Lombardi on my podcast. He comes on every Friday. We were talking about Green Bay last Friday before they got killed by Tennessee. And both of us were like, they're just not good. Like there, there is no relaxed situation coming where he says relax and they roll off the six game winning streak. They're just not good on on either side of the football. They have a lot of holes, and it reminds me a little bit of one of those Favre seasons from the mid two thousands where they just didn't have it. I think they finished four and twelve or something. This team's not that bad, but they're not good either, and I, I don't see it turning around. But the, the well, inter- you know, the one thing I'll say is that they're doing this without Clay Matthews. And without Sam Shields, I can make a pretty strong argument that those were the two key components of that defense. Because with Shields, as long as you had somebody that could cover whoever the other team's best receiver was, you had a chance, you know. Yeah. And then you had Clay Matthews, who played a multitude of different positions. He played inside linebacker where they needed He's their best pass rusher. He's, you know, aggressive. He takes calculated risks he makes big plays um you know and and then they've got all those young guys playing back there in the secondary now so you know there's more to it than that but i never ever ever would count out aaron Rodgers. i mean going into this game are you really going oh washington's way better than green bay you know, even yeah. though it's sort of collapsing on them, you don't because they've got arguably, you know, the the most talented guy in the league. Maybe not the best player in the league this year with some of the, you know, the issues they have. And I think he ranks last now, according to our PFF guys, in downfield throws and, you know, deep throws 20 yards plus. Wow. How can that be? You know, how can that be? It's not even possible. Yeah. Uh, and he's got Jordy Nelson back. And, you know, it's all these different things. So, I'm really looking forward to kind of digging in deep. And, you know, Aaron's pretty honest with us. He usually gives us a pretty good idea. And Mike McCarthy, I like him. So we'll get a chance to talk to him. So hopefully we'll have a few answers on Sunday night. The other thing with Rodgers is when it's not going well, he's one of those, not all QBs are like this, some are. He's one of those QBs that the body language and the facial expressions you can feel coming through the TV when he's not happy. And it it almost makes it, kind of more fascinating when it's not going well if that makes sense well and, and you know dan marino was that way yes. you know uh, I, I think you just have to remember that a lot of these quarterbacks when they're hitting the prime of their career which is between ages 32 and 38 now in the national football league you know who are they hanging out with in the locker room i mean even kenny anderson when i played with him he was 33 or 34 and he used to hang out with, like, the equipment manager. You know, they, they, there's not the, the sort of, you know, the kids are off, all the rookies are off clubbing and doing all the fun stuff and hanging out with each other and partying. And, you know, and the, the quarterbacks, you know, going home to whatever. And, you know, it's just it's a different world for those guys when they reach a certain age. And they have to develop certain relationships and, and it, it – it creates for unusual circumstances. And so when you see them get frustrated with the kids, 
It's because they've been around it so long. I mean, we were talking with Tom Brady this past week, and he said, you know, because in some ways it's not fair. He goes, at 38 years of age, I've seen everything. I mean, I, I've seen everything that there is out here. And I can imagine what, you know, Rod Woodson was thinking when I was playing against him when I was a rookie. And he was thinking, I know everything, and that quarterback doesn't know anything about what's going on in this league. And, you know, so there is there's a difference, but there's also the power of youth. We see it every week that young kids and young bodies and young athletes can do things that their older partners can no longer do. Well, quickly, that what you just described, I think, has to be a tiny part of this Romo Prescott thing. Romo's in his mid thirties. He vacations with the coach, very, very tight with the Jones family, and then you got Prescott, who's a kid. And as you know, like with these football teams now, with the way they changed the CBA, these locker rooms are so young. I mean, there's just how long? When did you retire? How long did you play for? When did what, what age I, did I you retire? I was thirty, which was a long time. Then, right. You know, I mean, that was. 30 was sort of the great jumping off point in the league. And now it's like they're just getting a better trainer and, so you know, a right. new pharmacist at age 30. So I don't know. Well, then we had the glory days of last decade where these guys could play till 33, 34. But now with the CBA, and it's like you don't see those guys hanging off for the extra two years because you just replace them with some six-round pick who makes 400 grand or something. But I think the one thing with Rodgers – which is what makes this game interesting, even though I don't think the Packers are very good. Their division is just as bad as they are. And the reality is they could go 9-7. and seven. I mean, who knows? 8-8 eight and eight might win that division. I'm not sold on Detroit. They pulled all those wins out of their butt for the most part. So you never know. I mean, they, they're even though it looks like everything's falling apart, they're still in striking distance, which is very strange. And the division, the imbalance with the divisions – is one of, I think the weirdest thing about this season. The AFC West is loaded, and you look at the the NFC North is like no comparison. The NFC East is all of a sudden went from worst to first. So, yeah. you know, for for whatever you want to do, there's really no you can't adjust it. I mean, you can make a point that you know the AFC South has been not so good for a while. Even yeah. the NFC South has been not so good for a while. But it all goes full circle, you know. Eventually, it does, and and uh, it, it, it it's a great league, you know. I mean, no matter what anybody says, and I know the TV ratings have been down until this past week and all that kind of stuff. But it is people fighting their guts out that are physically beat to a pulp at this time of the year, yeah, and still slugging it out, and then people identify with it. You know, there is it's a it's a struggle. It's a uh, it's bloody. It's hard. Uh, there's enough evidence to to show that maybe nobody should be playing this game. You know, between the concussions and everything else, and yet there's a certain there's a certain thing inside male and human beings, and I'm sure females as well that that you want to be challenged to the ultimate. You want to yeah. put your body and mind to the test, and even though I'm sure. It would have made a whole lot more sense to not have played football. I wouldn't have traded it for the world. I mean, I got challenged and then was forced to do things and and uh, put my heart and soul into things. And, you know, we lost two Super Bowls and still haunts me to this day. But I wouldn't trade not a single minute of it. I mean, you really, as a person, find out a little bit more of who you are and what you can do and what you might accomplish. And what the heck, man, I, I enjoyed every minute of it. You know, it's it's. I've heard you say that before. You're haunted by the two Super Bowl losses. 
Which one was worse? Just out of curiosity. The first one. Okay. Because you were much closer in the yeah. first one. Well, it wasn't closer. The second one was much closer. Wait a second. Uh, what was oh, the first one? Which I one was John Taylor? John Taylor was the second one. That yeah, was 88 yeah. down in Miami. Oh, that was close, too. And I, I'm not so sure, even though we had the lead and, you know, we had we had a, uh, a kickoff return for a touchdown by Stanford Jennings. The yards were yeah, pretty yeah. one-sided in their favor. Um, but the, the first game, I really – and they beat us in the regular season, too, in 81, so I shouldn't say that. But that was the one I really thought we had a better team. And, you know, we made so many mistakes, so many turnovers. One of them mine, fumbled in the first half. And, you know, all, all of that, of the two, there's no question which one haunts me the most. The, the San Diego game, if you guys were on a neutral field, who wins that one? I love that Chargers team. Well, we beat them earlier that season in, in their place. So if you're looking for me to give an answer other than us, that's, you got a long way to go on that one. <laughs> Well, I always thought, I wish that San Diego team, I would have loved to have seen them not play in a game that decided their season. I mean, for taking you guys out of it, it was just a fun team. It's too bad that that offense had to go through that. But on the other hand, that's football. And in January, those weather games pop up. It derailed the Manning and the Colts a couple of times, too. So, and, and, and you have to it. earn home field advantage, right? Yeah. We earned home field advantage that season. So. And they had to go down to Miami and play that game and, you know, it's whatever they played, 10 quarters down there, and then come up and play us in the freezing cold. So that's the way it goes sometimes. But once you have the best record, you have a few advantages built into the system, which I, which is part of the reason I think that the playoffs are in the NFL are fantastic. I mean, there are enough things built into that, and home field advantage means enough to where you are incentivized to play till the last snap of the last game. And I don't know that that's always true in, in all the other uh, all the other leagues. It definitely it killed the Pats last year because that Sunday night game that you did against Denver, if they just win that, they get home field. Then they blow the Miami game and the Jets game down the stretch. And then, of course, it comes down to uh, playing at Denver. And you're right. It's like it's these little moments, it's these little hiccups, and that's why even you look at Sunday night, the Pats blow that Seattle game. At the same time, Denver wins over New Orleans on a blocked PAT, and now I just know it's going to come down to the stretch, and somehow that game, that whole day is going to come back to haunt the Pats. Last question. There, um, there are some other teams in the AFC you better pay attention to. Oh, I'm so, paying attention. Uh, that, I, I'm <laughs> that, that Oakland team might all of a sudden pop up there and be something pretty good. I don't know if they're ready for New England just yet, and I think I think New England's still the team to beat. I really do. Um, you know, Seattle was fantastic, but I still do think that that uh, New England's going to be the team to beat at least in the AFC. I want to see how Oakland handles this little Mexico trip, and if if they come out of this okay and they take care of business against a Texans team that is struggling throwing the ball and all the other issues they're having, even though they have six wins. If they get through that one and look, look handle business like they did in that Denver game, I'm going to be concerned. Is there one team that you think is kind of lingering that we're not mentioning? Everybody's like Pats, Cowboys, Seahawks, Chiefs are kind of on the outside. Is there another team that you see that you think is lingering? The old lingering question. You know, the, the nice thing is that 
for a team like the Falcons, I think they're always going to be able to score points, you know, which is going to keep them uh, interesting throughout. Um, you know, the Steelers are one of those teams that if they sneak into the playoffs, as the Bengals have found out too many years, yeah. once they get in, there's still Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers. You know, I, I personally wouldn't want to play uh, that team in a, in a money game. Uh, and then, the, you know, the, the defensive teams are always dangerous. Uh, you know, I don't know which ones of those end up finding a way into the playoffs uh, here. But, you know, I, I usually when I look good making Super Bowl picks, it's usually because I pick defensive teams in the Super Bowl because everybody falls in love with offense. Yep. Uh, and, you know, so there are some teams out there that may not be the number one seed that, they could cause some damage. I mean, if a Baltimore team got in there, you know, if a Seattle team uh, ends up being in the in the hunt, um, you know, there are just certain teams that defensively, you know, are going to be. You know, Denver may not win the division. They may be the third wild card team the way this thing, or the second wild card team the way it's going. But Denver and that defense could make some noise getting in the playoffs. So. Yeah, those are the kinds of teams that I usually keep my eye on as far as, you know, let's not give up on Baltimore too soon just because they're not scoring any points. Yeah, Lombardi and I talked about them on Friday just about the fact that you can't really throw the ball over their heads, which is a nice quality to have in December and January. Here's my lingering team. The Giants are very quietly 6-3, and and they have the Bears this week who are just completely self-destructing, and then they're at Cleveland. Which means they're going to be eight and three, barring one of those weird Eli games that happens once a year. And you know they can play a little defense; they can throw the ball a little, and nobody's talking about them. And I, I'm trying to figure out who's the nobody's talking about them team, and I keep coming back to them. And then you think about the Pats Giants trilogy, which I predicted before the year, and it's at least in play. It's not inconceivable, right? It's not inconceivable. And, okay. you know, they, they have the playmakers on offense. And Spagnolo's done a nice job on the defensive side, sort of creating pressure, you know, finding a way. Collins has done a good job on the back end. They've got a corner now that can play. Um, you know, this, this team was a joke on defense a year ago. Yeah. And, you know, it, the season really does not start until Thanksgiving. It just doesn't. I mean, no matter <laughs> – I don't know how many years I've done this. You start paying attention at Thanksgiving because, you know, teams that are two things, teams that can handle the cold weather, that can run the ball and play defense, you know, end up becoming a factor. Uh, you know, they, they, they just do. And then somebody just gets hot. You know, somebody just kind of pieces it together because they don't, they have depth. You know, these teams that that, um, that play well in the first two months of the year, a lot of times have spent a lot of money on their frontline players, and then a couple of those frontline players get hurt, and they don't have the depth. Whereas teams like New England, teams like Pittsburgh, you know, there are certain teams that, that uh, you know, the, the depth of quality is more important than the, the you know, the high-end guys of quality, right. and and you know I'm am totally convinced that that's the reason that Dallas and San Francisco swapped Super Bowls back and forth before there was a salary cap 
Heck, Dallas and San Francisco had backup guys that could have whipped my Bengals team about half the time. You know, I mean, you know, when you have you have the ability to plug in a backup guard or a backup, you know, three technique tackle or, or strong safety when other teams don't. Sometimes those holes can really be glaring, and they do show up at the end of the year. Chris Collinsworth, I'm glad we made up. We can see you on Thursday night and on Sunday night on NBC. Don't be a stranger. Oh, and profootballfocus.com. Check it out as well. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. You got it, bud. Call me anytime. All right. Take care. All right, quick break to talk about our friends at Sling TV. Please tell me you're not spending your football weekends hoping a friend will invite you over. Micah Peters, you're not doing that, are you? No, okay. absolutely not. You're not milking cheap drinks at your local sports bar just for the free TV, are you? I cannot say that I haven't done that, but... Okay. You're not wasting time looking for a shady live stream that will crash your laptop, are you? I can neither confirm nor deny. Okay. Well, with Sling TV, watch live college pro football, college football and pro football on your terms and on your turf. With Sling Orange Service, pay just 20 bucks a month, get the live sports you love as well as your favorite entertainment and news on ESPN, ESPN2, and the other top networks. You can also get SEC Network with the Sports Extra for just $5 more. No installation, no extra gear, no annual contracts, and an easy online cancellation. Just have an internet connection, you're ready to go. You have an internet connection. Yes, I do. Watch live football and more for seven days free at sling.com slash Bill Simmons. Get Sling TV on your favorite device. Restrictions do apply. Um, Since we're here, I hate shaving. You like shaving. Oh, yeah. You I have like very cool. Like, see, I could never do the facial hair you're pulling off right now because I would accidentally shave over part of what, it. Well, I mean, like, I think that beards are corny since I can't grow one. So, yeah. you know, I just kind of. This is this is actually the product of about three months of not shaving. Okay. <laughs> but you shave on the cheeks or no? Yeah. Okay. On the cheeks, yeah. Well, I hate shaving so much that sometimes I grew beards and I'm going to do one again after the holidays <laughs> just so I don't have to shave. I never know what razors to use. I never know when to stop using one razor and move to a fresh one. Now I know because I have harrys.com. They sent me some razors. It changed my life. They made their razors even better while keeping prices exactly the same. How'd they do it? Five blade razors that now include a softer flex hinge, a lubricating strip. Since when is the word lubricating strip not great? Just name me a situation. (laughs) And a textured handle for more control when it's wet. It's still just $2 per blade compared to $4 or more that you'll pay at the drugstore. They're so confident in the quality of their blades, they'll send you their popular free trial set, which comes with a razor, five-blade cartridge, and shaving gel. It's free when you sign up for a shave plan. Just pay shipping, that's it. And if you enter code BS at checkout, you get a post-shave bomb added to your order for free. Now, there are situations where the post-shave bomb may be not as fun as the lubricating strip, but in this case, very fun. The post-shave bomb from Harry's. Go to harrys.com. Offer code BS. All right. Micah Peters from The Ringer. I We've done stuff together. Have you been on the actual podcast before? I don't believe I have ever been on your podcast. You know, like I, I'm, I'm not upset that it took you this long to invite me, but I don't think that we've Well, ever... now I have more podcasts because I don't have a TV show anymore. So now I've been able to have more podcasts <laughs> and have more Ringer staffers. I've been dying to have some, some of... We did Facebook Live, I think. Yes. We did something else. I was feeling like this was the right time for you to come on because as weird as this sounds, New Orleans feels topical to me. You have very hot opinions on Pulisic. Did I say it right yet? Actually, like, okay, so so I'm saying that there's on FIFA, (laughs) the, the commentators will say Pulisic, but... 
apparently the way that you're supposed to pronounce it is Pulisic or Pulisic. Yeah. Pulisic? Pulisic. What did the announcers say in the game when they played Mexico on Friday? Because I was at a bar. So they called him Pulisic? They called him Pulisic. I was at a bar. I was on a date with my wife and somehow found the only bar in the um, Century City Mall that had a TV at the bread bar because we were going to see Moonlight, which was excellent. Moonlight is fantastic. Go see that immediately. Let's talk about Moonlight. Hold on. 30 minutes. We watched the last 30 minutes of the game. We didn't mark... Their, is that their best score or one of their top two best scorers of Mexico? We didn't mark them on um, the corner kick. And I mean, it almost looked like a fluke play. And then they showed the replay. It was like, oh, we just didn't mark the guy. And that's why we lost. USA soccer, always disappointing. Oh, yeah. Who's left in no man's land? I was watching that and I was just like, there's just, I mean, it was honestly like he couldn't make himself care. Or, yeah, I don't know. It was it was it was very frustrating to watch. Well, because you know people are either casual soccer fans or they're really into it. To give up the goal that they gave up at that moment of the game is the equivalent of just giving somebody a wide open layup in basketball with four seconds left under the basket. Yeah, like if somebody just nice little two foot bounce pass and just lay it in, and there's everybody just standing there going, "Why is that? I thought you had that guy. You did. It I was terrible. But." But what, however you pronounce the prodigy's name, can we just call him the prodigy? I don't want to hear. I don't want to mangle his name for the, the next professor? twenty years. I miss Am One mixtape, by the way. I what really, happened? Am One mixtape. You don't remember the professor? No, the you, professor. Forty-seven. You, you never watched no, Am One mixtape. Of course, you know the professor. Yeah. I think that we should start calling Pulisic the professor. Can we call him the prodigy? What athlete's Fine, been the we prodigy? We can call him the prodigy if you want. Do what was the analogy you used when we were emailing about him this weekend? Oh, I was saying you that... You had a couple. You you double analogied me. Oh, yeah. I mean... Oh, right. So, I was talking about that video where, like, it was, it was this alligator crawling out of a swamp, and a house, like, a black house cat just, like, starts clawing at its nose, and then it crawls back into the water. Yeah. And I was just like, that's the way that Pulisic plays soccer. <laughs> it's just like, there's... He has absolutely zero fucks. He gives zero fear. fucks. Yeah. yeah. He gives zero fucks. He's taking on three guys. He's in the corner. He's doing stuff. I've never been more excited about an American soccer player. I even liked when he came in this summer. I forget what game it was, and he played right forward near the end and was just kind of doing stuff for 10 minutes. It was one, debut one of those qualifiers. Yeah, yeah, or March, whenever that was in the spring. Yeah. But Is I mean, it's, number 10, are we okay with that number for him? I mean, I'm cool with whatever number. I just like to watch no, him. No, like, no. You, you, this is all really important. Right. This is going to be the most the most worn American soccer jersey we've ever had. Nobody can <laughs> pronounce his name. I want to at least make sure he has the right number. I think that it would be perfect if he was number ten and like replaced the Donovan number ten jersey. Yeah, that's how I feel. Messi's I mean, like, ten because right? I think that Donovan made his debut at nineteen in two thousand one. Right. Um, and Pulisic is eighteen. And he has... How how many years older are you than him? I am seven years older than you. Yeah, think about that. (laughs) Thank you for that. There's not enough Xanax in in (laughs) California to make me feel, you know, any better about that. But um, going into that game against Mexico, I think he had two goals and three starts. Yeah. Um, What position is he going to end up at? He seems best, like he goes everywhere. The thing is that like Klinsman started him in 
a central role in that three four two. Like, I mean, the three four three. Excuse me, playing like directly underneath uh, Josie Altidore and Bobby Wood, which I mean, like he he did a capable a capably good job at that. Yeah. But I think that he was his best when he drifted out to the flank to, in the second half and was able to take people on. And I think that's when he's at his best because I mean, like that was kind of like. There was a Champions League match against Real Madrid in September. Yeah. And he cut inside, beat two players, and played a ball to the back post to Andre Sherla, who tied the game up 2-2, like, in, at the death. And of course, we're going to ignore the fact that there was a kind deflection there that kind of helped things yeah. along. But he's at his best, I think, when he's out on the flank. I wonder if he could become our version of Messi, where it's like nobody even really knows what position he is. When they do the formations that it's like, and there's Messi. He's, he's like, Messi doesn't have a position. Don't draw an X where his name is. I'm just very wary of making those kind of comparisons. I feel like we're going to do that thing that English, English players do this all the time with their young stars or whatever. And it's just like the future of American soccer is such a doomed like mantle. I, I think this is different. I my mean, spidey senses and my four and a half decades of watching sports tells me that this feels slightly different. I never felt Landon Donovan was the future of US Well, I mean, soccer. like, he never... The thing is that at this juncture, like, at this stage of his career, there is no precedent for Pulisic because, number one, you can... The, the team, the club team that he plays for, uh, Borussia Dortmund, Thomas Tuchel already said that he counts him, like, as a regular first-team player. He is a regular first-team player on one of the best... Like, you, you can count... The number of teams better than Dortmund in the world, like on one hand. So what's the NBA equivalent? If somebody was a senior in high school playing for like the Oklahoma City Thunder right now? Sure, why not? Okay. That seems like an apt comparison, yeah. Okay. But, um, I mean, like, and Landon Donovan, I guess, played at Bayern Leverkusen. But, I mean, frankly, Dortmund is better and... Pulisic has already played in more games. I really liked Landon Donovan, but this feels different. And I think it would be really cool. I've I've wanted my whole life for America to have a soccer player to see what would actually happen in soccer in this country. And I think soccer has made leaps and bounds over the last, I don't know, this century at least. But we still need the guy. And we really want the guy. And when you see, you just look at what happened with golf with Tiger – he made people care about golf that never otherwise would have cared about golf. And that's the difference. And that's what's at stake, in my opinion. Yeah. We'll see if he can do it. I think his last name, I I just think, I, I don't remember. I mean, I guess like Roethlisberger. There were, there, we've had names in the past where it's like, what's that guy? How do you say that guy's name? And we all figure eventually out how to say it. But I like calling them the prodigy. I mean, you know. I don't know if it'll catch on. I'm sure the soccer aficionado people will get mad at me. All right. We got to talk about some New Orleans stuff. Okay. What should we talk about first? Let's talk about the Saints. Okay. (laughs) What do you want to talk about with the Saints? I'm still not giving up on them. You should mention you're from Baton Rouge. I am from Baton Rouge. I have been a Saints fan for as long as I can remember. My dad just told me that we were Saints fans one day, and that's just what... That's just what it was. That's what you know? happened. 
Um, I still have a Youth XL Aaron Brooks jersey somewhere in my apartment. Oh, that's phenomenal. Yeah. I also have a lot of jokes about how he was the real life Willie Beeman in my archives <laughs> at ESPN.com, wherever those live. Listen, it was really like he was Willie Beeman for say a season. Say what you will about Aaron Brooks. He threw touchdown passes in high top Air Force Ones. Right? <laughs> I'm just saying. I, this is really going to depress me, but I, I need to know the answer. Did you get the Willie Beeman joke? Yeah. Okay, good. All right, good. Because I never know I mean, with like your I'm generation. Young, I'm not that young. I've dropped some movies in the Ringer office, and people have just stared at me like like a chicken that's about to when get their head cut off. Like, Fatal time... Attraction? What? What movie is that? Oh, okay, yeah. I mean, that's fair. Dobbins yeah. suggested that I write a, a running series of movies from the 80s and 90s that I think all of our young people should watch. Like, have you seen Fatal Attraction? It's the all-time I'm never going to cheat on I'm never going to cheat on who I'm dating movie that's ever been made. Joe Fuentes, have you seen it? Tate? Oh, Tate's seen it. See, Tate's an old soul. Tate's Tate's wearing a Mighty Ducks hat right now. This is I'm actually kind of hating. I want that hat. Wait, why did this come up? I know this came up for a reason. Oh, Willie Beeman. All right. But anyway, the Saints. Yes. You have a very fun team. The Saints fun. and the Chargers are the most fun teams that aren't going to make the playoffs, but I actually think the Saints have a chance because nine and seven could get the wild card. It's conceivable. Fair. That's true. You're in it, a bad division. A, you I have mean, some division games left. Let's go through the schedule, shall we? Okay. What are you, four and five or four and six? Four and five. Okay. Four and five. Okay. Uh, you playing are, the Panthers on three days rests on Thursday. I think you win. I think, I think Cam... And the Panthers, the ship sailed on Sunday. Okay, well, here's the thing, all right? So I know you don't play well there. Yeah, well, we, we beat them in week six, uh, 41-38, yep. on a last-minute field goal. I feel like it's possible that that could happen again, except for the fact that the Panthers' defense recently has kind of looked more like the defense that got them to the Super Bowl last year. But Yes. Um, Do you, don't you think that had partly to the fact that they were playing teams that weren't that good offensively? I mean, you have good receivers. Yeah, we do. A half-decent tight end and a bunch of running backs that they all kind of run the same, and I can never tell. I mean, like yeah, Ingram, but, like, Hightower, it's like, mm-hmm. but, they, but it, they're all effective, and they can catch the ball out of the backfield. You know, I mean, the Panthers are only like, what, they're allowing, what, like three yards per carry right now? I think they're going to make Breeze throw it like 40 times. One of the reasons I wanted to bring you on was because I have the hottest of hot takes. Oh. I think you're going to win the division. Wow. Yeah. The Falcons are 6-4. I six appreciate and that four. vote of confidence. Yeah. The Falcons are 6-4. and four. Home for Arizona, home for KC. I think they split. Mm-hmm. At the Rams, home for San Francisco. But then, how Atlanta would this collapse be? At Carolina, at New Orleans, week 16, week 17. <laughs> And they blow both of them and finish nine and seven. Now, your team, okay, at Carolina Thursday night, I think you win. Home Rams, home Lions. Those are two wins. I'm giving you those two. Rams are a historic trap game for us, though. Well, you, you're going to have the historic Jared Goff on the other <laughs> on the other line. You'll be fine. <laughs> At Tampa, sneaky. You've had issues in Tampa over the yeah. years. Sneaky yeah. one. At Zona, you lose one of those two. And then home for Tampa at Atlanta. If you get to eight and seven going into that Atlanta game, I think you can win the division. 
Because then it comes down to... Wouldn't that come down to division record at that point? And they've lost... Uh, they've beaten their division teams. All right, you need to get to 9-6. and six. You can only lose one more time before that game. Yeah. I mean... I'm well, sticking I mean, like it. there. You have. I'm it. not sold on Atlanta. I thought Philly manhandled them. On I Sunday. mean, like I ne- like I'm never sold on Atlanta. You should never be sold on Atlanta. But I'm also never sold on the Saints. I know better than to trust the New Orleans Saints at this point in my life. Don't you? Aren't you at least happy that Sean Payton has shown a modicum of juvenation? Considering after, see, I don't know if I ever told you my theory about it. I've written about mm. it, but my Sean Payton theory. No, sure. He got suspended for the year and it ruined his coaching career because he got to live like a human being. <laughs> he got to, he, instead of just these football coaches things. are 18 hours a day during the season and they, all they do is, is coach football. He's like, it's Sunday. His wife's like, should we go to the high school game down the street? He's like, yeah, let's do it. Hey, want to have a date? Sure, let's go. Hey, want to go somewhere? Absolutely, I'm free. It's I, th- I mean, he's never been the same. But now this year, there's signs of life. This was a top five coach who has not been a top five coach since that suspension. It's very true. So you have that. That's good. I, the Breeze thing's really fun. Yeah. Bre- I mean, old, like we Bre- have- old Breeze is still pretty much as good as the other Breeze. Yeah. I mean, like, there's there's... There's just that looming specter of the fact that, like, any given day he could just go off for 400 yards. Yeah. I mean, we have the number two ranked offense still. I mean, like, and, you know, we have the 30th ranked defense, but they actually did reasonably well against the Broncos. I did. I I went from thinking the defense was a complete shit show. The Giants game was the wild card where they only gave up like seven, where they gave up 17 points, but it was like. I started Eli in fantasy that week, and I couldn't figure out why the Saints kept stopping him. Their defense is no better or worse than two-thirds of the defenses. They can get stops. I mean, they, they came back from 10 nothing against Denver. They made it, got a couple turnovers. Yeah, it's true. I mean, like, they got six sacks. And, I mean, like, Cam Jordan has been a monster. I mean, it was, like, you're right. Like, our defense is can be good occasionally but the thing is that i cannot rely on it no no, you can't you're gonna have to outscore teams yeah i mean we i mean like we're oh and three when held to like where did i see this stat i think it was like oh and three held under like 24 points yeah 24 points like we have to score a lot i like the receivers yeah well i mean like the oldest is they always find these dudes man and he's 23 yeah. Cooks, Snead, and Thomas. And Thomas kind of had a bad game with the fumbles last game. What but happened I mean, like, to Colston? They bury him under the Superdome? <laughs> Where'd he go? Colston got released, did he? I know, but what, that was kind of fast for him. I don't feel like he was in that Andre Johnson Megatron generation of receivers, but maybe he was. Maybe age-wise he was. I mean, yeah, like he was. He went, what, undrafted in 04? Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, so we feel good about the Saints. I know you don't, but I do. I'm, yeah. I'm going to feel good for you. The Pelicans, I don't feel good about. The Pelicans. I watched them last night. My team lost to the Pelicans because we don't have Jay Crowder now. Horford and the whole. And all of a sudden, we look wait, like wait. A what was it? What was lost by was one that? point? Oh yeah, one hundred six, one hundred five. Yeah, mm-hmm. we had the lead the whole fourth quarter. Yeah, and did. then uh, Tim Frazier up fake Kelly Olynyk 
for the game-winning free throws. And stupid Kelly Olynyk jumps up like Tim Frazier is going to rainbow a 25-footer over him. God yeah. damn it, that crucial made me mad. Sh- crucial free throw shooting from Frazier and Anthony Davis down the stretch, actually. But that was really my first chance to watch the Pelicans. Uh-huh. It is outrageous how bad his teammates it are. Is, it is outrageous. It I is mean, a disservice. Well, well, the thing is, is that you watched that game last night, and that's like the first time that's you the really best watched played, the yeah. And that's the best they've played. Yeah, they're like, terrible. I mean, everybody on the bench had like a positive plus minus figure. And I think they, they, had, they, they came off the bench with like something like 50 points or whatever. Solomon Hill was good. Langston Galloway was good, and that's the I best mean, they have been all right season. Listen you know to yourself, Langston like, Galloway was good. It is good. literally like I—I I mean, <sighs> Anthony Davis is—we—I mean, literally, if he keeps up at this at this at this clip and plays like this through the through the end of the season, I think he's averaging like 30, 30 points a game and like six rebounds. I—I I don't know how many rebounds. I'm but get anyway, the stats as you're talking. If he continues playing this way, it's literally like the only person that will have had a better season than him is like MVP Michael Jordan in 88. We have a lot of these individual performances this season. Everybody's going, historically, historically is a word that's just getting thrown around all the time. Like Westbrook, Harden's just casually putting up 30 and 13 every night. But Davis, to do what he's doing. D'Antoni's system. Like the, uh, the end of that game. I knew that he was getting the ball every time. So did the Celtics, which is when you think like he's still putting up the stats when everybody knows he's getting the ball every time. You know what's funny though? Not funny to you, but funny to me. With like two and a half seconds left or two seconds, whatever it was, the ball went out of bounds and we were inbounding the ball. And Gentry was like, oh, I got to get a taller inbounder. And it's like, <laughs> I'm going to use Omer Hashik. <laughs> So that he took off his, he had his warm up jacket on. He was so sure he wasn't getting back in. Oh. So he came in. I was like, oh, they still have him. And I looked it up. He's in year two of a $60 million deal. Year two of six million. Yeah. Dell Dimps and these free agents, man. I mean, it's like, I. So bad. <sighs> he did a Jinka. I looked it up. When they signed uh, Davis to the extension, they did uh, Ashik. Ashik. He's another one like Pulisic. I don't know what it 60 is. 60 million for and him. I honestly don't care. 20 million for a Jinka. <laughs> and nine million for somebody else. I'm that, laughing, that but was. I'm dead inside. So Davis is thirty point five and eleven point two rebounds. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So here's the thing: I don't think he can ever say anything about being traded, any of this stuff, because this dumbass signed, re-signed that big extension with them, hundred forty five mil. Yeah, yeah. But he knew they had a bad GM. He I mean, knew he knew their owner was 120 years old, and yeah. I mean they have the worst NBA owner in the league. They have the worst NBA ownership situation yeah. in basketball, and he had no second banana teammate that could be like, "All right, at least I have that's my Robin." Yeah, much less a third banana. Um, I don't know why he resigned. I didn't understand at the time. He could have been. This is the first year of his extension, so it's five years, 145 million. Year one is this year. Mm-hmm. He could have just not done anything and been a free agent last summer, with all those teams coming at him. Now he won't be a free agent until 2020. The no, 2021, 2020, 2021, five years, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. Is there for no, five isn't years? There, uh, isn't this there is a year one. Option for the oh, you're right. Year? There's a player option for the you're fifth year. Option. He's definitely gonna he's gonna exercise. He's that. exploring it. Yeah, <laughs> and he's at like it's. I mean, it's going to be another 
Chris Paul situation. I'm already bracing myself. I mean, because... Have we ever talked about the Chris Paul trade? We have never talked about the Chris Paul trade. It's the least amount anyone's ever gotten for a superstar, by my calculations. You know... It's unbelievable. They have nothing left from that trade. And I actually thought Eric Gordon was... I went to the Clipper games and watched him. I really liked him. I thought he had the chance to be like the best two guard in the league when Kobe retired. Hmm. Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> and then they had a lottery pick from somebody and it ended up being the Austin Rivers pick. Uh, and then they got... Yes, the 10th pick. They took 10th pick. Yeah, Rivers and 10th pick. Yeah. Mm. And then they got uh, Aminu. Yeah, oh, they let, they they let go Aminu, of Al But they didn't Aminu insist way on Bledsoe. too early. I'm... I was watching him hit three pointers against the Warriors in the playoffs last season, and I just, I just hated. I just wanted to die yeah, every he, time. He was a late bloomer, but yeah, they got really nothing for Chris Paul, and the commissioner vetoed the trade. That it's not like it would have been much better, but it would have been nice to have yeah. Dragic and a couple of those other people. But uh, but anyway, my point is. Your point the, is that you can't put no, one you, stallion in the middle of a bunch of donkey isn't expect to win a chariot race i think young people when they get offered a lot of money and they're in a situation they don't know any better they're like oh we'll turn it around i'm gonna i want to stay here i really like new orleans like i, I see all the reasons and they're all good reasons that yeah. I, I respect the reasons but somebody in his life should have been like look dude this is probably the worst run franchise in the league this is dangerous to do this like just so you know three years from now you might be on this team with no help whatsoever now, I don't know if anyone had that conversation with him is my point. The other thing is you could just keep just wait until that summer, last summer, just wait. Sign the contract then. It's still gonna be there. But I get it. It's like, oh I gotta sign now I'm locked up, I have security, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But I guarantee he's kicking himself a little bit. I promise you he is. <sighs> Man. The thing is, like Durant, the OKC did the same thing to Durant. Much different, but much better basketball situation. Yeah. But these guys are like, oh, I love it here. I'm 23. Like, they, But when you're 27 and you've been in the same city for eight years and your team sucks and it's poorly run, you start looking around. I don't think they will ever trade him. My advice to them, do not trade him. Do not. Don't even think about it. I know they probably aren't, but it's like he gets thrown around in trade rumors sometimes. Like, are you crazy? Yeah. I They'd mean, be insane to trade him. There's no trade we'll package have that makes sense. We'll have nothing yeah, left. What are you getting back? There's nobody. <laughs> I can't even imagine who they would get back. I mean, but the thing is that like there's nothing besides Davis to mortgage besides like our future first round picks, I don't think. You need to suck this year again. I mean, well, I think Unfortunately, I read that, that worked last year, and you got Buddy Heald, who is not. Yeah, I don't know, man. Don't, you know, you know, you know, you uh, know. We're only eleven games in the season. I'm gonna give it a little more time. O'Connor ruined him for me. Kevin O'Connor in the Ringer. He wrote about his lack of athleticism getting in the rim. Yeah, and how when he goes to the rim, some guys go to the rim. They just go to the rim, and other guys are like contorting their bodies to to kind of avoid the shot blockers. Yeah. And now when I see him and he does that, I think of Kevin O'Connor. I'm going to not be. Oh, now you're sad. Now I made you sad. I, you know. Can we talk about the first season of Atlanta? What do you. <laughs> yeah, we can talk about the first season of Atlanta. It's sad. It was sad when it ended. I, it's, it was I, over my way DVR, too quick. It was just, it was just, there was a hole in my DVR this week and in my heart. <laughs> <laughs> I. 
yeah i mean like 10 episodes and the fact that it's not going to be back for until like 2018 is, is that true 2018 well i mean like he's taken off a lot of time to 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 um you know to shoot star wars so i mean and to work on several other projects but i mean it's not going to be back for a while there's no Chappelle possibilities here with him right where he just never does another season it's like oh no he got delayed and then all of a sudden it just never comes back i it's like a 10% chance but honestly, I there's there's no telling. I have no idea. He's I, very enigmatic. Very Donald Glover. Extremely. I wouldn't be shocked if he was just like or if he said like this He's year like, I'm, I'm not bored in with it. This now. Whatever. Or I'm not in it this year. We're doing we're <laughs> we're gearing the whole season around Van. And by the way, I'd be bummed out for like ten minutes and be like, Hey, they're gearing the whole series around Van. Yeah. I I'm mean, in. One of my favorite actresses. The what? One of your favorite what? Actresses. Oh yeah. Zazie Zazie Beats very she did an excellent job. She did an I like the excellent fact that it was job. like the in the first run of the show, like the first season of the show, there's ten episodes and like four of them are concept episodes. Like What was more exciting for you? Uh interviewing Paperboy or Kobe? That is an unfair question. I feel like it's, you're trying to get me in the trouble. Tate, do you feel like that's a fair question? That's a great question. That's that's a, Joe, did you feel like that question. was fair? Thought it was a fair question. Okay, fine. Whatever. Answer your stupid question. Okay, so I think that the Kobe interview the Kobe interview, like I had what, like eight minutes? Yeah, it's a flat. Speed, speed chess. Yeah, so I just it's basically like the equivalent of walking up to somebody at a house party and before you even ask what they do, you're just like, So what's your biggest fear? <laughs> that is basically what I did to the Kobe interview. I sat down in the chair and I was just like, So what do you think of what do you think happens after you die? And it's then a he, great was just, he was just down. I've like, never to been proud the of you. Yeah, he's so ready to. Kobe just wants to get weird. <laughs> he really does. He doesn't want to ask a question of, hey, do you think the Lakers will turn it around? <laughs> like, he's so ready to get weird on any interview. Yeah, but I mean, like, I've. But I mean, the interview with uh, Brian Tyree Henry was fun because I felt like I was just sitting down and talking to. Yeah. I don't want to say a friend that's too strong, but like, it was very, like easy and it was just i i felt like i could have kept talking for another like two hours he's I mean, very gregarious and welcoming yeah 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 definitely um, very easy to talk to atlanta season two during a trump presidency is going to be a really interesting wrinkle i'm oh. just throwing that out there yeah very. i think that's i think that will be explored <laughs> <laughs> assuming all guns blazing season two everybody's back glover's in it it's the same kind of I think it will be explored. Would be my guess. I want more Keith. I want more. Uh, not Keith. Excuse me. I want more Darius episodes. Just yeah. We never really explored him. It feels like, like season four. We'll know a lot of Darius. Yeah. I mean, like he got his one independent storyline when he was doing the uh, uh, the the one where he went to the gun range with the dog map thing. Amazing. That was so brilliant. Amazing. Uh, that scene. <laughs> Uh, but I mean, like, also just the fact that, like, when he was leaving in the club episode, when he was leaving and he was talking to the bouncer and he leaves, comes back to the bouncer, he's just like, hey, have you ever had to bounce another bouncer? Which is just a brilliant question. You never think to ask something like that. But it's, and then it's just hilarious. And the guy's just like, yeah, it was difficult because, like, he knew all the moves. Which was, like, it's like his brand of comedy is very is hilarious especially the fact where he's just like yeah you can't get back into the vip section he just accepts it and goes home and plays video games and eats cereal 
Favorite episode? Ooh. Favorite episode? Probably the Migos episode. If only for no, it's actually that's absolutely not true. My favorite episode is bar none, like the the Juneteenth episode. But I think my favorite moment was probably no, that's too difficult. I want to say I just really loved the moment where Quavo was just like where uh, Paperboy's walking up, and he's just like, "Yo, what's going down?" And Quavo's just like, "You know, what is, what have you been up to?" And he's just like, "You know, busy, busy." And he's like, "The hell you mean, nigga, trapping, boring as fuck." <laughs> I was just like, "That is the <laughs> coolest thing I've ever heard." I need to use that in conversation at some point. Um, so I, I I think you favorite episode, most rewatchable episode, and best moment I think are the three enduring questions. Because favorite think, episode, I still think the the one with the commercials and stuff was so creative oh, in the BAM moment. Was was really. I good. don't know if it'll be as rewatchable as some of the other ones, but just in the moment, I I can't remember watching TV and going like, "What the fuck is going on? Is this? Wait, yeah, I mean, is like, this real? Is it? Did, did, <laughs> did he make that? Commer- and then rewinding it and just being confused and then gradually understanding what was going on. Yeah, I mean, like that was amazing. I I mean everything about that everything about that episode was was brilliant but I specifically like the Juneteenth episode because it just deals with the uh the moral quandary of like the good white person yeah which is I mean the well-meaning white person that's really just annoying as all get out they're on Facebook right now to, urging the country to heal after the Trump presidency <laughs> Yeah, it's long, just like sometimes, sometimes it's just like, you know, just, just like not to sound coarse or like dismissive about no, it, but it's do. just like sometimes just like, just shut up and be white, you know, <laughs> just let it go. I, I, I have never been to Africa. I don't really think it's that important that I go, you know, yeah. on top of that, I'm kind of like, it's not like I can just drop it and, and go to Africa and it doesn't make you a racial ambassador if that happens either. Like, you know, it's relax. I haven't heard Tate snicker this many times over the last five <laughs> minutes. My favorite moment, hands down, bar none, was the invisible car hitting the two people. Oh, that was so funny. It was so funny. And so many people missed it. It was so great. And I missed it. I'm ashamed to admit I missed it. And my wife, who misses everything, immediately caught it. It was like, rewind it. I think the invisible car hit those two guys. <laughs> I just thought they were doing some weird flip or something and then we rewound it and it was just delightful and whoever thought of that needs a raise somebody in the writer's room came up with the idea for the invisible car to circle back and hit people <laughs> that wasn't like in the initial episode that was brought up at some point uh, and they're like yeah we gotta do that yeah what a great idea i love the, like that uh, so many things in that show just kind of lurk right on the edge of reality or there's just kind of like something supernatural lurking at the at the fringes of the show. Like there was that. There was the dog with the Texas on him. The guy on the on the bus that was just like making Nutella sandwiches. Well, you wrote this on the Ringer. No, no show that I can remember other than The Wire dealt with racism in a more in the moment kind of not aggressive way if that makes sense it was just yeah i mean like the police station episode the police station episode was had moments that just don't normally exist literally that three the three minutes well it was like three minutes but not it was over a longer course in the in the the course of the show they dealt with homophobia transphobia racism uh 
police brutality. Yeah. And did it in a fashion where you were laughing two minutes later. Like it was the fact that the pacing was like, it was enough to shock you and then bring you right back with Darius sitting on the couch talking about. So apparently John Boyega is the new magic Johnson. Right. You know, it's, it was almost done like documentary style. Yeah. It's brilliant. Like those Netflix done. shows where they go undercover in the prisons and stuff <laughs> yeah. happens. If you watch that show, I've almost clicked on it 20 times. I'm talking about 13th. No, there's a Netflix show, and I think it's an English show, where the guy goes into prisons. Hmm. Can somebody, uh, somebody, email, somebody email us and tell us whether that show is worth watching? Wait, that should be a... Somebody should be writing for our website. Should, <laughs> like, should I watch this? Because I see president... Kevin Wilds, who you've never met, who you would love, who I used to work with at ESPN, he was fast. He would watch prison shows all the time, and we would always be like, "Why do you love watching these shows?" And he was like, "Because you never know if you're getting up in there." And I like to, I want to have a plan. Everyone needs a plan when they get in. We're like, "What are you talking about, you psycho?" He's like, he was like gathering intelligence for his plan, and the zero point one percent chance he ever ended up in the joint for a long period of time. Have you what ever? He's like, you have to kill someone right away. We're like, okay, all right, good. Find the biggest person in the yard, <laughs> just kill them, and let them know you're not a candy ass, and they'll leave you alone. All Man. right, Kevin Wilds. Yeah. Have you ever, did you ever get a chance to look in his garage? Maybe he was stockpiling gasoline and machetes. This is some people just do that. They, they take their worst fear and they confront it. Through, through I don't know what that's of, like. Through a series of Netflix and streaming. And uh, what are the other shows that show? MSNBC? Joe Fuentes looks guilty. Ooh, you like prison shows. I don't. No? Tate? I don't want to Tate will watch anything. Tate will watch anything. I don't. <laughs> Tate's <laughs> dad with whatever. Uh, oh, what do you write about this week? Uh, I wrote about Oasis. Oh yeah, I saw that. I haven't yeah. read that one yet. I mean, Oasis Supersonic is such a good like. It's really more of a comedy than it is a documentary, just yeah. because the two the Gallagher brothers are absolutely ridiculous. Like they'll be talking about. I think it was just. It was just like we're the biggest rock and roll band on the on the planet, you know. Yeah. We just didn't give a fuck, you know. And then they they'll be talking about fights that they had in the studio, and it's an absolutely ridiculous thing. It's just like I bought too many women back, probably. Like, you know, you no, know, I was trying to write a song or something, but there was no need for the cricket fucking bat, you know. Like, it's yeah. just the things that Good they talk accent, about the way, like are it. just really <laughs> just absolutely <laughs> ridiculous that you can't believe that they actually happened. I didn't know you did accents. I would I would have invited you on the podcast sooner. I didn't know you were that multidimensional. Like I just watch a lot of well, Premier were, League and BBC. Oh, and, that's a, that's what is osmosis. Yeah, you were like yeah. five when Oasis's best album came out. I that actually, was in the, in the wheelhouse of when I cared the most about music. I would have bet anything on those guys. I would have bet on them just having like a twenty-five year career of great albums. In the moment, who knew they hated yeah. each other so much? It, it just was just never going to last. But I mean, they really had one of the all-time moments I can remember for like a one-year moment, where it's just like that. This whole stretch just belonged to them, yeah. and everyone in England was like, "These guys are these are the next ones. This is it. The Beatles are are here." There's this, and then they were such assholes. Yeah, and they just never replicated. I still think "Wonderwall" is one of the five greatest songs ever written. Just like lyrically, musically, the whole thing, it's it's just like the perfect pop song. 
It's a perfect English pop song. Yeah. I know I know that's not like the most popular opinion because the song was too popular, but if you actually just listen to it and read the lyrics and listen the to the beats, it. like it's just like you know, it's the Beatles song that they never wrote. That is very What's your favorite Oasis song? My favorite Oasis song is Don't Look Back in Anger. I was gonna say that's that was my Yeah. Good one to put on a mixtape back in the day. Back when people <laughs> made mixtapes. Yeah. I know we broke up, but don't look back in anger. <laughs> uh, speaking of that looking back, we have to go. Well Michael Peters, this was fun. It was fun. All right. Thank you for having me. Good luck with the Pelicans and the uh and the Saints. Don't don't forget where you heard it first that the Saints were gonna win the NFC South. <laughs> Thank What's you. your Twitter address, by the way? Uh, at Micah Peters underscore. If you're listening to this, at Micah Peters, man, come up off of the handle, okay? Just let me have the actual name. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thanks to Chris Collinsworth. Thanks to SeatGeek. Thanks to Blue Apron. You will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. Don't wait. Check out this week's menu and get your first three Blue Apron meals for free with free shipping. Go to blueapron.com slash bs. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. And don't forget about the Ringer Podcast Network, including Channel 33, which has our new gamer podcast, which is what's achievement-oriented. Mm-hmm. For some reason, achievement-oriented, I'm out of it. We didn't have achievement-oriented when I was playing okay. video games as a kid. Uh, but we also have the wrestling podcast on Channel 33. And David Shoemaker, the masked man on the Mass Man podcast, had Kevin Owens on. And it was good. You should listen to it. Check out Jam Session, my daughter's favorite podcast as well. Channel 33, a lot of good stuff there. Uh, Thanks to everybody at TheRinger.com. We will be back uh, probably Thursday afternoon with a third BS podcast that will feature Mike Lombardi, Callaway Part 3, Joe House, and one more guest to be revealed on Thursday. We will see you then. Play us out, Eddie.